Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I just love it when you guys show up, and I love it when you give me great comments. And even if you don't give me great comments, it's it's okay. I don't really pay attention. So, But I do pay attention to the good ones, so keep doing that and keep um, reviewing and sharing and, um, and offering to have people come on as a guest. If you know someone in your circle that's going to be a great guest for Gay With God, please send them my way. So Because next week, I'm going to have to be live by myself unless y'all come up with somebody to, to tag tag somebody people. You don't want to hear me just for the whole time, but if you do, that's fine too. I'll just give a little snippet of the memoir or talk about something. You know, I can talk. So anyway, I don't have to do that today because I have a great guest. I want to introduce you to Anna Renee Wingett. Pronouns are they, them. Is a playwright, scholar, and artivist. They currently serve as a University of California Humanities Research Institute scholar and professor of theater at Loyola Loyola, there we go, Loyola, Mary, Marymount University, Anna's new book, The Palgrave Handbook of Queer and Trans Feminisms, is available from Palgrave Macmillan. Their most recent play, Utah Queer, explores the relationship between faith and queerness through the lens of a Mormon lesbian in southern Utah who moonlights as a drag performer. Anna recently served as a mental health project manager manager at RFSL, Sweden's national organization for the LGBTQI rights. They hold a doctorate in drama and theater from the University of California at Irvine and at San Diego, focused on gender, performance, and healing. Anna teaches theater and writing and holds an MFA in playwriting from Boston University. Their new storytelling project, Crossing Pride, aims to develop sustainable, creative healing, networking, and archiving by and for queer and trans refugees who are stateless, seeking asylum, or otherwise displaced. Anna is now pursuing their drama therapy certification from the Drama Therapy Institute of Los Angeles. Wow. I did a little snippet earlier, um, just a Facebook Live talking about what's coming up. And I just was so blown away with your credentials and everything you're doing. Anna. it just, I'm so excited for this conversation. And I thank you so much for being here. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. I just, I really appreciate the, the work that you do. I think it's, it's really so, so important, um, especially we just, you know, had these new statistics coming out of, uh, of kids, uh, LGBT youth and the, how the percentage who think about taking their own lives, which is um, still more than half. And it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely, um, it's not okay. And it's, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. And then I just, yeah, I'm very worried at this particular moment for yeah. the future of our country and mm-hmm. um, and our and our especially LGBT youth. Um, and yeah. uh, I, I, so I, I think the the message that you not preach, maybe, or maybe you would say <laughs> preach, but <laughs> that, that you're delivering of mm-hmm. like acceptance and uh, and that there's a safe space that you can you can have your faith and you can Mm -hmm. be queer gay whatever term you want to use um and and that's that's so needed right now so Mm -hmm. i just appreciate being here and thanks for what you do well thank you thank you for all that and i'm i'm just honored to do it i'm i'm so glad that i fell into this at this time of my life and also at the time of the country because more than ever especially you know you can't say gay in this state now we're going to take women's rights here and we're going to we're in a very pivotal mm-hmm. um shift and it's going to be a massive shift and it's going to be difficult 
as we go through it. So your work, my work, our ministry, and I, I think it's all ministry when we're promoting love and we're mm-hmm. speaking about love, that's ministry because that is the greatest commandment is to love each other and to support each other. You do that yeah. through arts and, and through, you know, all of the work that you do. And, and I do it through this as much as I'm able. So we just have one disclaimer, Anna and I, is that um, Anna is babysitting a puppy. And I have a very scared uh, puppy that is going through a storm with me right now. So if you hear anything, we're both fine. We'll be- <laughs> and we may cut it out or we may just leave it in for your enjoyment <laughs> if anything goes wrong. But I want to get to, I want to get you guys to know Anna better. So Anna, tell us your story. Thank you. Uh, I, yeah, where to begin, but um, I, I, as I said, I love, I love the, the topic of, of gay with God and, mm. and just bringing together um, being gay and, and, and having a love for God, having a faith, because um, it was really something I grappled so much with from the time I was a kid. Um, I had, I went through a lot of self-loathing. I, I was raised Mormon and I, um, I had, a, I had a loving family and I actually, I loved church and I loved Mormonism and I loved Jesus. Like from the time I was little, I went to girls camp, you know, and, and, ha- and like, I would be like this, the one seriously like concentrating on like the Bible stories, like, uh-huh. you know, uh, and, and like not goofing off. Like I was like really into it. And during the sacrament, I just, I remember like really taking that in and like what Jesus like did for us and, and all the love that he had for me. And I, and I, um, and I'm grateful for Mormonism that as a kid, I always had somewhere to go. Like I, I, I had Jesus. I had at that time, my heavenly father, I I don't connect as much to that, like image of God. Now Mm -hmm. God is so expansive is love. Um, for me now. And, um, and I don't like to put limitations on, on an image of God, but from a very young age, like Mormonism did teach me, I, I was loved unconditionally by God. I'm a child of God. And of course there were like, uh, alternative teachings, uh, other perspectives that I, I also internalized. But that was one thing that I'll, I'll always be grateful for. And that's, I'll never um, hate or speak ill of the Mormon church as a whole. I, I have um, my, you know, obviously my perspectives that I deeply disagree with on, on their policies and practices, but, um, but there's still gratitude and I still have family and, 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 you know, close friends and, and family friends that that are very accepting of me, but, but there was so much pain when I first started having feelings for women. So I was identifying as a girl. I I identify as non-binary now. And I use they, them pronouns, as you said, Uh, but I started to have this attraction for women. And I, 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 it, it started, it was like impossible in the nineties, like an impossibility. I, couldn't even I like I wasn't even grappling with it at first because it just there was so much denial right Mm -hmm. so in the 90s the context being AIDS outbreaks and like anytime if whenever you heard the word gay it was it was in conjunction with AIDS yeah and that was of course very um strategically done in, in the media and um and so I really the, my first impression of, of gay was that it was a disease and I was, you know, like nine or eight when, um, at that time in the, in the early, in the early nineties. And I was like, that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, ne- I'm never going to be that. <laughs> yep, oh, not like that. I gotta, gotta <laughs> stay away from those people. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and you don't want to catch whatever they have, you know, just yeah. terrible, but so, I mean, even when the, I started noticing feelings, I didn't understand what gay was and I didn't understand like 
that that attraction could mean anything about my identity. Right. I w- my identity was so caught up in being a good Mormon girl. Right. Um, but at the same time, I was, um, I, I grew up in California in the Bay Area. My, I was, I, I was discriminated against a little bit as a kid because in the Mormon church, because I was raised by a single mom and like family is everything to Mormons. Mm. And like my dad left with his uh, four kids from a previous marriage and moved back to Utah. And he came from this big Mormon family. Wingate is this, is a very Mormon name. Um, there's a lot of Wingates in Utah, but so I, um, you know, I was kind of tr- like treated differently, but I learned again, like I, I remember at recess having my little book of Mormon and my neon green fanny pack and like, uh, you know, like reading it and kids were just like, I, w- I was like the weird one, you know, um, that was, that was in Utah when, when we lived there for a period of time. And mm-hmm. so most of the kids in my class were Mormon. So I was like the weird one who didn't have a family. Mm. Um, and, and so I just, I've always felt different even before I understood I was queer and I found, um, I, I first saw Bette Midler, um, when I was, I think five years old and like beaches came out and I was like, just absolutely mesmerized. Like, (laughs) wow. I did not know that a woman could talk like that, could look like that. She was just. (laughs) <laughs> like everything a, a, a Mormon woman was not supposed to be. And I loved it. I just was like, um, so I don't know, somehow with, with, uh, with Bette Midler and, and I, and her being a performer, I was like instantly drawn to theater and mm-hmm. like in performance. And um, so I started doing that very young and it kind of paved the way for this, very unhealthy double life where I could kind of have this freedom to explore, but then I could still be the good Mormon girl on, you know, Sundays. That's really what my play is about. Um, And because I wasn't willing to give up for many, many, many years, I wasn't willing to give up either my, um, my queerness or my faith. That was Mm -hmm. like, they're both so they've always been so integral to who I am mm-hmm. um, from the, yeah, from the time I was a kid until mm-hmm. now. And I, I haven't, I haven't lost my faith. I would say I am no longer Mormon, um, but my faith has shifted. It's, I'm grateful that it's always been about my relationship to whatever higher power um, mm-hmm. that resonated with me at, at the time. Um, so it wasn't dependent on me going to church. Of course, it's, I feel so much for Mormon kids now, like, or anytime, um, because it's so steeped in community and family. And so, you know, you it, it is an impossible choice. Like, I don't see, I, when I, when I've done research and there's this organization, Organization called Affirmation that's LGBTQ Mormons. Uh, they do conferences and, and advocacy, and it's they do a lot of great work. Um, and I've interviewed people and like read a lot, like did all this research. Everyone, not everyone, most people have had a break with the church in order to fully be themselves. And that I, I think that's really tragic mm-hmm. um that you have to make a choice between mm-hmm. you know family and your community it, mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just faith it's like it faith permeates everything in your in your everyday life so mm-hmm. the choice of like coming out becomes this it's not just about identity it's about like am I gonna have a place to live am I gonna have yes you know um is my or my are my parents gonna accept even today um, with, with Mormonism. And I, I just think there's so many closeted people living a compromise, like li- living, settling for mm-hmm. a life that didn't want to break with their family and their community. And I can totally understand and respect that, but it's deeply sad. 
it's deeply sad. And I think it takes a toll on us physically. I think our bodies are sick when we're not authentic and we, we put everything in the way to cover up what's really going on with us, even, you know, especially to ourselves before we, before we fully embrace our authenticity, um, we put all of these smoke screens out there to, we have to deal with this eating disorder. We have to deal with this job that we work at all the time, or we have to keep splitting ourselves in order to not deal with the truth because of what you just said, will my family be there for me? You know, will I have to break for them? Will they have to break for me so they can still be Mormon? Um, I don't, I don't know if that's, I think that's a thing in the Mormon faith, right? That the families can't be around other family members or friends if they're not Mormon or is that, I mean, you wouldn't be excommunicated for that, but you, I mean, certainly the, the stigma um, Mm -hmm. socially in in the community is, is would run deep. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. um, But I think in Mormonism, you have more of an effort of bringing, bringing them back to the fold. So it's it's like everyone rallying around like the new project. Oh no, they, you know, (laughs) they, they had like this girl has a girlfriend. Like we have to do everything we can to, Uh to introduce them to all the most eligible (laughs) bachelors, you know, (laughs) Never or again can you go anywhere children. alone. <laughs> You're so and so's <laughs> right. brother's sisters. <laughs> exactly. Oh my yeah. my. Um, so that's I I I've had family members like you know kind of tracking me down and um, sending missionaries. I, I like to say <gasps> sticking missionaries on me. <laughs> like I and um, I and I I understand it. I am yeah. like. I've passed the place of being angry about it because I, I know that it doesn't always come from love. It certainly sometimes comes from judgment and hate, but mm-hmm. I think with, with um, some of my family members, it's like, I know that they think that mm-hmm. what they're doing for me by sending mm-hmm. missionaries to me is an act of love and concern. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, yeah. Pray, pray for them. <laughs> we got battling prayers yeah. going on. <laughs> Save her. I don't need to be saved yeah. by that. <laughs> right. right. Oh my I gosh. Know. Yeah. We'll see, who, we'll see who wins. <laughs> <laughs> my God is better. My God is all. That's right. Love. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> he saves the rainbow sheep online. Have you seen the comics? <laughs> <laughs> I love David Hardgrave and he does all those great cartoons of Jesus shaving, saving the rainbow sheep and you know, <laughs> all the other sheep are like, you know, that, that, that sheep is, you know, bad or something like that. And I, and he'll, he says, I know that, um, that she is fine because he was, uh, Jesus was being, um, appropriate with the pronouns. So, uh, it just happened to be a trans sheep. And so they weren't, you know, they were being mean and, and Jesus t- took the little trans sheep in and <laughs> used the correct Aww. pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> that's so he does sweet. Great, yeah, he does yeah. great cartoons. But um, but I think that's interesting that that <laughs> I always wondered, and this is just totally off the subject, but we'll roll with it. That that you know when people are praying for their sports teams to win, it's like <laughs> right one. I, I don't even know if if God's watching the football or the basketball, <laughs> but, but, you know, how does that work? You know, you can't have these conflicting prayers. Because, you know, God that flips a coin. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. God yeah. doesn't care. Spoiler alert. God Spoiler doesn't alert, care yeah. what team wins. <laughs> and he loves us all. That's been my, my biggest, right. um, yeah, that's been my biggest thorn in my, my flesh lately is that there are certain mm-hmm. people on this earth right now. And I have had to come to terms with the fact that no matter how vile they are, that God actually loves them as much as God loves me. And I'm like, that's not fair. I'm I'm trying to do the right thing here, (laughs) but, but it's true. And um, and, it's hard. It's hard. So I, yeah, with certain politicians and I, I've been there myself or people who inflict trauma. um, Yes on youth or have inflicted trauma on me it's it's 
a journey of, of forgiveness. And yeah. um, sometimes it, it, it helps me to remind myself I'm also like forgiving for myself mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't want to carry around mm-hmm. that hatred. I don't want to mm-hmm. ca- like, that's burdening me. That's adding yes. onto my trauma. Yes. It's not healing me. Right. Um, so it, when it's hard to find that compassion, I'm like, well, it's a little selfish too. I'm doing it for me. <laughs> that, that can help. <laughs> well, but I think that's, I think that's great. Uh, because when you, when we heal ourselves, even when we have to do it that way, um, then we can serve better and higher because right. we're not pulled down with that hatred and that anger. So just like all of the hiding that we do before we come into authenticity, all of the anger that we carry with us, it shuts down your creativity. It shuts down, down your expression, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think anger is the same thing as hiding is that it, it, it's blocks the flow of love and it also right. creates more trauma for us. And God doesn't want that either. So, um, I think that's, I think that's an appropriate way to handle it. Absolutely. Um, you're reminding me, I, I've been reading this, uh, a new book that came out, a queer Dharma yoga mm-hmm. and meditations for liberation by Jacoby Ballard. Mm. Um, and there's a whole chapter on forgiveness and, uh, uh but what the book is doing, is like kind of in, in, looking at the yoga community and looking at the social justice community Mm -hmm. and kind of what they can learn from each other and Mm -hmm. how, you know, social justice communities often like making itself sicker. And of course there's many different communities Mm -hmm. and social change and social justice. But um, when you're fighting, fighting from this place of like, I was traumatized and I have this anger there, eventually you, you hit a wall and you get Mm -hmm. sick and you, you know, um, you, you can't, you can't keep it up. Uh It's not sustainable. Um, the anger also bleeds out into maybe with your family or loved ones. Uh Um, and so, you know, how, how do we, how do we pause? And that's a lot Uh of, a lot of my work also like explores these intersections of, of healing and social change. I think so many of us who are interested in social change, have been personally impacted by, you know, some kind of uh, trauma socially mm-hmm. um, have been dis- discarded or discriminated against in some way. And then we want to right those wrongs. We know we personally know how it feels. I, I, I know how it feels to, you know, be rejected by my family. I know how it feels to um, not have my relationship accepted legally. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and so of course there's that desire to make it right, but then, uh, which is, which is really beautiful, but it has to, it, as you're, you're saying that love is the ministry, right? And I think mm-hmm. lo- love needs to be at the foundation of, of mm-hmm. social change movements as well, that we love ourselves, we love each other, we love a world that isn't here yet. <laughs> you know, yes. we, yes. <laughs> we, yes. Love, we have, we have an image, like we, we know that there's something better. We know yes. we deserve better. We know that there is something out there that, uh, that we can experience outside of this kind of hate and, and, and polarization that we're, that we're seeing now. And, mm-hmm. and just, um, mm-hmm. that there, there's something, there's something else. Like there's something I think in all of us that want that rejects that and we don't always know what to do with that. But, um, I, I, I'm really learning, uh, on a, like, and this is kind of personal and professional, but to just to pause and, uh, and accept and not, uh, not be, there's, there's a time for acceptance and a time for resistance, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like pausing and accepting the, the reality that we're in, there's kind of this surrender. And that's when you can kind of open up to whatever your higher power is and to mm-hmm. this, to that higher love that is greater than ourselves and um and from there then it's like you're 
your resistance isn't about your small self, but your resistance is like opening up to mm. um, a, a, a greater fight than yourself, mm. you know? And I think that comes from, that's like bringing more energy. That's like, you're, that's not the kind of work that's gonna uh, burn you out, but it's, it's not easy. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've had three big burnouts. I tell my students all the time because they come with all this like passion <laughs> and wanting to change things. I'm like, I'm 37. I've had three burnouts, medical burnouts where I've, you know, cause I've just thought I could do it all and that I had to do it all and that my value hinged on doing it all. Mm-hmm. And it's been a lot, you know, a lot of, a lot of learning, a lot of, um, humbling and, um, and accepting that I, you know, I think it goes back to my Mormonism, like that I wasn't worthy of God's love because I was, you know, doing the wrong things or thinking the wrong things. And it's like, it's created, it created this like void or this um, sense of, of self that was very small. And, and I spent a lot of my therapy and adulthood and like work and uh, Mm -hmm. just trying to um, open up like I think receiving love is like the Mm -hmm. hardest thing Mm. especially when when we've been told we don't deserve it Mm -hmm. Um, or when or maybe we haven't even been told but we've been shown that again and again Mm -hmm. um, as LGBT people or you know um, folks of color or, or Mm-hmm. or disabled people or whoever's not um mm-hmm. this white straight christian man i, I you know yep. so yep. um so we have to really work to remind ourselves of our um that, that we are worthy and um of that love and that we are i mean i think that's actually who we are that's what our soul is as well mm-hmm we're not uh, that's like uh, we shouldn't get too metaphysical maybe but like that's another podcast (laughs) well but I but I I totally agree with everything you're saying Anna because we steal ourselves away sort of like when we when we were realizing way back then when you were eight you were nine you were like oh my gosh you know Bette Miller is is the heat and and I'm feeling a little heat just looking at Bette Miller and and that's bad and that's wrong and I've got to shut that down we go through so much trauma to shut it down put it away lock it up but even though we lock it up it's still present and it's like one of the apps on the phone you may not be using that app right now but it's running in the background and it's still (laughs) sapping the energy so as long as we have that going on then we are keeping and walling that away so successfully that we don't receive the good stuff and then we we believe that we don't deserve the good stuff because of what everybody said so when you talk about you know burning out and and not feeling like you're that you know you're worthy of God's love man that just resonates for all of us I think because we were taught that by people Mm -hmm. that we trusted by people that we loved and they they used the scriptures that were supposedly you know inspired by God to tell us how bad we are when really it never was that and I'm just now learning at 63, which is really old by the way when you think about just finally coming into your own (laughs) I mean, I've I've known I was gay, but I haven't been able to embrace it without all of the yuck, you know, the inner homophobia or the the doubts. And every time, you know, a new person sits behind the big wooden desk, they can give us rights or they can take them away. And, you know, and now let's just pass laws that say it's going to be a law now that we're all bad, you know. So all of that stuff keeps us from just believing 100% that it was always God's intention that we have Mm -hmm. diversity on this planet. But it mm-hmm. kind of got messed up when the first need was to, pro, you know, to propagate the, the earth. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to give you Adam and Eve, but that doesn't mean that later on, I won't say Steve's fine too. You know, <laughs> it is it's God not like we all. need more people populating the planet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's so funny to think that, that God is static, you know, he's, this is it. Right. And, and that is not, you know, uh, growing and, and, you know, trying different things. I mean, as 
I just believe that, you know, we're probably not even the only planet if we really want to get out there. I mean, you know, God, <laughs> I think God yeah. has more going on than just us and, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. So, oh, yeah, I agree. I think it's like, we, we know that the universe is expanding all the time and it's yes. basically infinite. So the yeah. idea that we're the only yeah. like intelligent creatures is like beyond <laughs> self-absorbed again, you know, <laughs> right? typical American capitalist, like beliefs, yep. like, yep. It's, it's all about, it's all me. about us. Yeah. <laughs> the entire right. universe is yeah. about me. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's white and everybody needs to be Christian. And <laughs> No, yeah. no, yeah. you know, I, I just find that so hysterical. It's like, Jesus wasn't even Christian people. He was Jewish. So come on now. Brown, he wasn't, Jewish. He wasn't white. Yeah. Sorry, not white. But we've, We're, we've yeah. just painted this, this fake story of our history and our, and our lives. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, burnout does happen because we're, we're, we're rushed. I think we feel rushed. Maybe it's just me. I feel urgent <laughs> to get something done because, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of 50. So, yeah. you know, now I feel this urgency to get it right into, but I'm, I'm not the only one here doing the work. You know, I do what I can and I do it with love and with abandon. But I, I also know, especially now that you have to pause, you have to give somebody yeah. else a chance. You got to work with someone else. You can't do it alone. You can't do it all the time. You absolutely, yeah. I'm so glad that, that you've come to a place where you, you know, how precious your work is so that, you know, when you pause, when you take breaks, um, there's still apps going for other people <laughs> too, you know, they're, they're doing the work too. And, and you'll be more yeah. energized. I've really seen that. Uh, and I, I've, I've seen the positive effects too. And I, it's such a habit and I don't, it's, it's not just the religious background and the trauma. It's very much like embedded in our society mm -hmm. that, um, you know, the whole, our productivity being equated with self-worth is yes. I think so many people struggle with that, whatever mm -hmm. their background. And it's, yep. and it's really, uh, it's really hard to let go of, uh, and, and, uh, Buddhist teachers talk about like the trance, you know, and it's like, it is, it, it feels like, sometimes I'm just like, what, like, do I actually care about this, like, award or this, like, mm -hmm. fellowship, you know, like, or mm -hmm. is it just, is it just because I need more and the competition mm -hmm. and the, you know, because this is what is expected of me at my field at my level and, and I, I have to prove something and, mm -hmm. and it's so the, the, the pausing is so crucial where you're really checking in with yourself and, and I love that you mentioned living authentically mm -hmm. and um something that has stuck with me I always listen to the Tara Brock podcast and and really have been influenced by her work on like radical compassion radical acceptance which really helped me in my own self-love journey and she tells the story uh, many times of um a, a palliative care worker who um said the number one thing that she would hear from from people who were you know crossing over in their process of dying was uh, that their greatest regret was not having lived authentically mm. and it's that's so powerful and I just I think you know whatever age and whatever space you are in your life or whatever your circumstances it's never too late to to get in touch with that authenticity and so mm -hmm. to live from that I mean I I've also felt that at times like I even though I was out in my 20s I certain I wasn't living my in my authenticity mm -hmm. for I I didn't I didn't ex, I didn't give myself the freedom to explore my gender and for one thing mm -hmm. I Kind of, I still was like wearing what I thought I was supposed to wear and acting the way I was supposed, even though it's like, it was bad enough, quote unquote, that I was gay. I couldn't be, you know, some kind of trans or I couldn't be some kind of, I, that like there were, I couldn't be other things that, that weren't accepted in my community. What, so it's, I think, and, and I, and it was very hard to break from that because once, um, once you find some level of acceptance, if, if you've been in communities that have um, not, not accepted you, you kind of want to cling to that. But 
but it may not be your truth either. You might be Mm. like, you know, oh, like I think when I first started, um, when I found the queer community in my 20s, I was like overcompensating for like denying myself that for so long. And like, I got to be the queerest queer, (laughs) like, (laughs) um, I mean, and what's funny is now I'm, I'm a professional queer. Like, I like to say, like I, I teach queer studies, and all, but I, I, but I was, um, I just, I, I was like, I think what it was is that I was different people. I was, I was a different person around different people. I was a chameleon. I was a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I didn't really know who I was. It was kind of like, I'll be, who I am is wrong. So I will be whoever you need me to be in this moment. And I can mm. shape shift. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and then the thing is you get praised for that because, you know, if you're a people pleaser, people like that you're agreeable and they like that you're nice and yep. you'll go along with whatever you want that they want you to do. And they, they want you to be easy like that. They don't want, they don't want your truth. Um, yep. So it's really difficult, but it's been to the more and more I can step into my truth, um, which for me has also been a sobriety journey, I will say. Um, And I I was using, you know, alcohol as a way to hide from Mm -hmm. my truth. I think that's also a very common story. Um, And so like getting sober, being um, like just, allowing I'm also doing IFS therapy it's called internal family systems Mm -hmm. which all begins from a place of curiosity and compassion which is just like lightning bolts for me like I I mean wow like to begin the whole you know psychotherapy is like so much around pathology and like you go to a therapist because there's something wrong with you and you need to be fixed yep but like, you know, we all have our crap, you know, we all yeah. have our trauma <laughs> and our issues. So it's if you can like actually approach your healing journey from a place of curiosity, like, oh, that's interesting that this anxiety is coming up. Well, I wonder what it's trying to teach me. I wonder what, mm-hmm. why it's, it's protecting me from something. Let me dig a little deeper. And IFS and drama therapy it really about like accepting all these different parts of ourselves, not, not compartmentalizing, but it's a process of integration. And like, there is, there's a space, there's a place for, you know, my scared inner child that felt abandoned at age mm-hmm. four, you know, there's, mm-hmm. I don't need to exile that child. I, I can invite them in and there's a place for them. There's a place for my anger. There's a place, you know, it, it's just about um, giving them space. It, there, it's listening and, and offering compassion and trying to understand rather than just going to judgment and, and hating these parts of ourselves, which um, just ends up, you know, perpetuating what we don't want um, mm-hmm. and adding more suffering for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was beautiful. I, I love I love the part where you talked about overcompensating and wanting to be what everybody else wanted you to be. How exhausting is that, right? Yeah. How exhausting is that? And it all comes from that tender place of please, you know, like me because I don't think God likes me. And yeah. when when you get to that place that the one person or the one entity that we should be able to to believe in and to feel solace like you did back at the, at the girls camp, you know, you were so understanding at that point that you were beloved and then Mm -hmm. everybody else marred that and got it to a place where, you know, you weren't sure. And I'm so glad that you're, you're on the other side of that and you still recognize that the journey can't ever be over because everything's a trigger. You know, there's always something mm-hmm. else, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, who, oh, knew? Yeah. <laughs> who knew that Roe versus Wade would go? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, no yeah, matter where you, where you feel or where, what you think about, about that as a topic, it's still the, the bigger story is that nothing is sacred 
and nothing is in cement Mm. so that we're always teetering on the edge of something that could be catastrophic, you know, especially for our community. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you see it in the posts right now. You see it in the, the fear is, is coming up and using our biggest cover up emotion, anger. Yeah because we're feeling vulnerable and shakable yeah, again. Right. And now everybody's just getting pissed. <laughs> and as we talked mm-hmm. about love, you know, this is the time where if we can pause and just remember that if we stay connected to the love, we can advocate, but if we do it with too much harshness, we're not going to to get where we want to go. And I don't know where the balance is. You know, I know that the pacifists, you know, did their best back in the day and, and change happened, but a lot of people died, (laughs) you know, (laughs) making change. And so it's just a, like I said before, it's such a huge shift and, you know, being able to stay in your truth and get clean and sober and, and dig deep and find that trauma connection that, that we all have and work toward easing that up and, and bringing acceptance to all the feelings because there were no wrong feelings. We were not wrong. We're still beloved. Absolutely. And I, um, yeah, I love everything you said. And I think, uh, in terms of where that falls into the movement, I think the, what I've found and the research I've done corroborates this as well, that the more, that I can accept all these parts of myself that I've found in the past to be unacceptable, it's much easier to extend that to someone else. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's you in, in the program, we say you can't uh, give away what you don't have. Mm-hmm. It's like you I mean you, it, and you, we always hear this image too of the, um, putting the oxygen mask on yourself mm-hmm. before somebody mm-hmm. else, but it's mm-hmm. you know it's true in in so many respects that if you're if you're taking care of yourself and your own trauma, mm-hmm. um, and and not not stopping there because you know you're not you don't live in a vacuum either. You're we're connected to our world, our community, our family, our society, and and I think we have. Um, we have those of us especially who have some degree of privilege have a responsibility to do something to make make Mm -hmm. things better and from a place of love like the way you would fight for your brother or sister Mm -hmm. if they were going through Mm -hmm. something challenging right um but you you need to find it within yourself first um and and for me that's that's also what my meditation practice does every day it's like kind of bring that connection to myself and, and connect to my higher power and remind myself, mm-hmm. like, I, I belong, I'm loved. I, mm-hmm. you know, um, I deserve to be happy, to be loved, to have a good day today. Mm-hmm. And then I can, then that, that kind of is my armor and empowers me to go about and mm-hmm. do the work that I do. And, and mm-hmm. that helps um, give me the power, you know, I work with, um, LGBT refugees, mm-hmm. which has, uh, it has been very difficult. And, um, you know, there's so much complex trauma. They've escaped, uh, their homelands because they were in, in danger of being murdered or had been, uh, um, like narrowly escaping death, uh, just for being, for being LGBT, mm-hmm. um, and are seeking asylum, you know, in, in other countries, I would, you know, push myself, you know, I didn't put myself first, I if I skipped my meditation, or, you know, if I did mm-hmm. something where, because I would tell myself, like, well, their, their issues mm-hmm. are more like, their, their life and death, you know, they have, they're, they're dealing with real, real tough, <laughs> like stuff way more than, mm-hmm. than me right mm-hmm. so it was like very easy to kind of spend more time and energy on on helping mm-hmm. um and neglect my my own healing work mm-hmm. and I and very quickly I could see how that would uh it, it just it just didn't work I had less mm-hmm. and less to give them mm-hmm. and I you know and I was it and 
energetically. Um, I remember like I would get comments sometimes like you look really stressed out. It's like, that's the energy that I'm bringing. What, like they don't need more stress in their lives. You know, I don't need stress. <laughs> like, why am I bringing that with me? Yeah. Um, why am I allowing this really? It's that, that healing, um, and kind of commitment to your own, um, self, uh, self-healing, self-love, self-acceptance. I, I just think it's crucial no matter what what you and then the same would be true with if just if you're a parent mm-hmm. I, I I'm, I'm not a parent I'm you know a dog parent but <laughs> <laughs> it counts but, it counts <laughs> um, it, yeah <laughs> but you know you you don't have it you need it's so crucial to have that that time where you're mm-hmm. recharging and um, connecting to whatever whatever you're I, I love that you put on your website like and, and you say God of your own understanding because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. we, so many of us have been, you know, enforced to see God as this, like mm-hmm. this white man in the sky, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's going to womp you. He's going to womp you. Right. Well, and I, yeah. as you were talking, I was thinking too, that when we, when we get out of our groove, our healing groove for ourselves, whether it's meditation or yoga, whatever we're doing, and even our spiritual practice, you know, whether that's whatever that spiritual practice is, when we let that go, the only thing we have to fall back on is our history of coping. And for someone with addiction or some uh, addiction history or someone with self-loathing history, as soon as we start seeing that we're not showing up the way people expect, or we're not giving as much as people want, then we go back to doubting ourselves again and our worthiness. And we go through that whole loop. And then that's when we're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, what do they say that, the halt method. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, yeah, you better watch right. out because you're going to relapse or, or something's yeah. going to happen. And, and even if you're, you know, don't deal with addiction, you're going to relapse into hating yourself or you're going to relapse into hating others or, you know, mm-hmm. just thinking that God's not there for you. when that's mm-hmm. never been the case. You know, this is a human, yeah, a absolutely. human problem, not a God problem. You know, God never walked away. I did, you know, I did because I was, confused and scared and angry really angry and you know using the word god only brought up images of abomination and me going to hell Mm. so i didn't use that word for the longest time that's why we have it proudly displayed now on the podcast because (laughs) it has no negative power over me anymore you reclaimed it i reclaimed it yeah that's beautiful I, i had to do that as well yeah. Um, and I, I still, I, I still have a hard time with heavenly father because that's mm. what's u- used more often mm-hmm. than anything else. The Mormon church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I also had a difficult relationship with my father, <laughs> but mm-hmm. for me, like divine mother is, is mm-hmm. a really great, beautiful, like I just see that yeah. it's much easier to access that unconditional love feeling. Yep. So it's like whatever, whatever works, for yes. you to be able to open up to yes. that truth. Well, you know, when that, you know, and people say, but that's what Jesus preached. Well, of course he did. Cause you got to know the room. <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't talk about women yeah. back in the day. So right. Of course it's going to be, fun. you know, and, and that, and Jesus, you know, that was the way that Jesus connected to his God. Yeah. That worked for him. Yeah. It's, there's been other saints and, you know, I, I know that's Christians be like, well, there's no other Jesus, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, but there have been other, other prophets Absolutely. and leaders, even if you don't believe Absolutely. in their power, but they've, they have yep. different, uh, relationships to different deities. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and yet I think the common thread is, is, uh, is love. Yep. Um, and u- unity of some kind, you know, mm-hmm. um, among all of them. So that's, uh, that's really, really beautiful that, that you clung yeah. on to that as well. And I and did. Are well, and I've, you know, I told, that. I told somebody the other day that, you know, if you look at what Lao Tzu taught back in the day, mm-hmm. 
that's what Jesus taught. I think that God has given us so many different examples of, of yeah. how to find love and how to be compassionate. It's like, okay, maybe let me give you a loud Tzu. Can you, can you get that? Okay. No. Okay. Let me give you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. You, you bring, bring up loud Tzu because if, in my undergrad, I went to Loyola Marymount and sorry, it's a hard one to say. It was. It's, it's a Jesuit <laughs> university. Um, and I went there as an undergrad and I was a theater major and a philosophy major, but my thesis project was about, it was called unifying the philosophies of the one. And, um, and it took Plotinus's, Plotinus is an ancient Greek philosopher and what he said about the one and, um, and Taoism and what Mm -hmm. Taoism said about, about the one. And then, um, and then I had uh, absolute knowing from Hegel. Mm-hmm. I, I took a whole class on Hegel and it was like the same style. And I was like taking this class on Plotinus and Hegel. I'm like, you guys are saying the same That's thing. That's right. Ditto. Like deeply <laughs> Christian. And one is, you know, yep. before Christ came. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's something to that, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we just need to, yeah, find kind of whatever whatever way that we're able to resonate with that yes and, and it's impactful for us individually because we're all so different but mm-hmm. that and we but yet we need to connect to something greater than ourselves yeah. yep and the god of our understanding will understand and be okay because i don't think that that naming god is a prerequisite mm. <laughs> to anything <laughs> think we have to have I, I've told this story yeah. before that when um I was using creator of all that is because that's the only thing I could do and I could connect to divinity that way and my mother outed me on Facebook and said <laughs> right on Facebook so I see that you don't use the word God anymore and you only say creator of all that is are you still a Christian are you still saved and I'm like really oh, wow here on Facebook really but you know so wow. I and so I said, well, do you believe that God is the creator of all that is? Well, of course. Then what's the problem? Mm, good what's response. The problem? Yeah. yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> and then I took it offline, but <laughs> I was like, we got more to say. <laughs> well, before we go today, and I, I want to give you a, an opportunity to talk more about crossing pride and a little bit of, of what that looks like and, and the power behind all of that. Oh, thank you. Um, sure. Yeah, I, it's, it's early in its development, but mm-hmm. um, I started doing this work uh, with, as I said, with LGBT refugees mm-hmm. in Sweden, uh, where I was a mental health project manager. And I have this background in, in performance of performance studies and, and performance is a healing tool. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I worked uh, with some refugee leaders uh, in Sweden, and we started creating these groups around um, uh, around performance and healing. We did a collaboration with the National Black Theater of Sweden, um, with Stockholm University of the Arts, and uh, and we created workshops. And there, so there's been a lot of work with you know drama therapy and work with um, using performance for healing. Um, what this project is is doing um it it's creating a website so there's so that there's a a digital accessible component so um on that website it the website will function as an archive of uh lgbt refugee stories that um transnationally um and so there'll be kind of information about different countries um, and what their kind of laws are and what what are LGBT people going through in that country right now. So there's this kind of public facing aspect that's educational mm-hmm. and archival. Um, what we're piloting this year is uh, it's kind of taking that these workshops that I started um, with some some leaders in Stockholm, and we've been, we have new collaborations uh, with folks working on the Mexico, um, California uh, border. And, uh, and we're, we're, we want to create a series of workshops 
that is uh, al allowing for um, creative expression of, of self, of uh, storytelling that is truly coming from your own desire to share your story in whatever way you need to for, for the queer and trans refugees, rather than for state mandated purposes. So it's not, it's not so much about the product of getting the story or having a performance. It's really focused on um, developing a process that is community building and healing for local groups. And then kind of sharing that knowledge transnationally and then having a platform where these groups can also get to know each other. Maybe, maybe refugees from for instance, Uganda could, uh, who are like in a, in a difficult situation will learn something and be able to find somebody uh, in another location who's already migrated. So there's mm -hmm. that kind of support network. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also the, um, that there will be stories on, uh, for whoever wants to share um, and who, whoever is, uh, there's no pressure on whether they want to share it with um, the public or not. Um, and it's, and we're, and there's also going to be opportunities to donate to different, different uh, groups that we're collaborating with organizations who are doing really important work with LGBT refugees. Um, but yeah, I mean, over 70 countries today still criminalize mm. same, same sex intimacy. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of people at risk, of course, just because it's legal in the U S doesn't mean that we don't have danger here. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, it's, there's a lot abroad as well that I mm -hmm. think is important to remember and gets overlooked a lot during, mm -hmm. um, even pride mm -hmm. festivities. Yep. Yep. Our, the priest at the, at the Episcopal church where I go is, offered to do a pride mass for us uh, tomorrow evening. And just yesterday, I heard that someone asked, were we going to have security? And I'm like, mm. hmm. And I've, you know, I have been thinking about that since, since he offered. And I said, yes, because I run a LGBTQ group here, a meetup group here in Asheboro, North Carolina, mm -hmm. one of the reddest states, <laughs> little reddest <laughs> community you could be, but, um, um, and, and there's been questions about that, you know, the, in 2019, back when life existed um, <laughs> <laughs> openly, um, we, we were given permission to, our little group was given permission to walk in the Christmas parade. And we had our big old banner of, you know, LGBTQIA and wow. allies. And we walked and people were scared. Chitolius. They really were. They were scared to death. And, and I'm like, you know what, yeah. you know, and so we had several people that had been in law enforcement and they walked with us and they were watching and they were, you know, scanning mm -hmm. the crowd and all this kind of stuff. But it was like, wow, you know, I, I'm somewhat naive and I'm somewhat not like I had thought about it. I was aware of it. Yeah. I knew that there were the same people who were with us during the parade were going to be at this mass tomorrow evening, mm -hmm. but some people are afraid to come. And isn't that a shame that yeah. you would be afraid to come to a church that is open and affirming and loving and inclusive to have a mass and a mm. celebration because people are nuts <laughs> and they don't, yeah. they think no, they to hurt us, but um, it, it's, yeah. uh, it's true. I mean, yeah. I, I actually, I'm in New York right now. Mm. I live in California, but New York just changed the gun laws. So we have, open carry in Ugh. New York now. Yeah. Yeah. And they came and that, and that law changed the day before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Uh, uh -huh. And then pride was like the next day after that. Uh. And, um, and I, I just, I did not end up going to pride. Mm -hmm. I, I felt, um, yeah, the, yeah. With the gun, the gun laws you had, um, in Oslo, they just had a, um, an attack on, yeah. on a pride parade there uh. um, and two people died and like 20 were injured uh. um, and I mean 
you know, Oslo, like Norway yeah. is supposed to be yeah. supposed to be one of the safest yeah. places to go. They take they take refugees from other countries, um, like on the basis of being LGBT. You you know, it's just a it's a crazy, scary time. Yeah. And there's a lot, a lot of anger, a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of hate. And mm-hmm. I I think uh not to say don't go to the mass. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> well, you, could... you know, we have to live our lives. Yeah. Um, and I think it's awesome that they are having that mass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but these fears are also real. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. Caution is important. And, and I believe in that too. We have to take care of ourselves, whatever that looks yeah. like. And, and who's ever there, I will embrace whoever, you know, comes and I will, I'm going to be there. And yet, you know, I'm nervous. You know, I've always been nervous about going to a pride parade because I, mm-hmm. I know that there's always somebody that can show up yeah. and do, do damage, but it is yeah. in that fear that we all light workers, you know, and I call all of us in ministry, a light worker that we are, we are always subjected to the dark side, whatever that dark side looks like yeah. and whatever that is. And yet we will persevere no matter how many get knocked down <laughs> we're gonna persevere <laughs> and live in the light yeah. um live in the light that's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> well um i want i wanted to also give you the opportunity for for the final question that i usually ask folks on the podcast is what is the one thing you would want to say to someone else who is coming up and going through some of the traumatic experiences that you had, whether it's the same or different, but that's really searching and and feeling like they're not loved and that they're not worthy. Um, What could somebody have said to you or or done for you that would have helped ease that pain? And you can feel free to offer that to the listeners who are maybe still in that space. That's a beautiful question. Uh, Thank you for asking that. I think it would have made a huge difference. Um, it's so simple. It's just to be told you're okay. Mm. You're, you're enough. Mm. And you're like, you're okay. That like, just that there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. You are as God intended you to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, that would have had, particularly uh, strong weight if family members could say that to me. So if you have, you yeah. know, allies who are, who are like yeah. people who are struggling with kids or, or mm-hmm. loved ones in your family, um, yeah. I, I think that's all I really wanted to hear mm-hmm. is that there, there was nothing wrong. There was no, yeah. absolutely nothing I needed to change about myself. I all of the only the only changes I've needed to make in, a, in adulthood has been learning to love and accept mm-hmm. myself exactly yeah. as I am. Yeah. And and that's what people are af- afraid of you mm-hmm. figuring out because <laughs> there's so much power in that mm-hmm. you can. That's the faith that moves mountains. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you can if you can love yourself and realize that all that, all the hatred, all the noises, lies, and, and, mm-hmm. and is, is not mm. from, is not of the light. I love that. I'm writing this down. <laughs> the, <laughs> hatred, the hatred and the noise are the lies. That's beautiful too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's very good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you for that. This, is, this has been a mm. very inspiring and, and uplifting conversation. Yeah. I appreciate you having yeah. me. Yeah, you are welcome. And thank you for coming. Uh, guys, I, I hate to end this. You know that I, I just love, I love this so much. And, but uh, there will be another day and, and Anna will be doing something else. And she'll call and say, Hey, I'd love to come back on the podcast. And I'll say, you're welcome anytime. And it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> a little reunion. But anyway, thank you so much. And thank you guys, thank listeners you. for coming back each week, supporting, sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more information and links to connect with Anna, they will be on the show page. You just go to the gay with God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. And as always, if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically LGBTQIA+, you've always 
been with God and God has always been with you. The God of your understanding does not have you be anything other than who you are. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God podcast, Remember, Gay With God community. <laughs> and remember that I've recently started a monthly Faith Journey Zoom group with the Facebook group called Gay With God. So if you check us out there, you can join that group with me. And remember that uh, the Wild Goose Festival is coming up July 14th through the 17th. The Gay With God podcast will be there again this year in the heat. Last year, it was really cool. This year, it will not be. It's going to be in the heat, but I'm going to be there, even though I'm a cool weather baby. And <laughs> we're going to do the podcast live from the Wild Goose. If you don't know about the Wild Goose, please check it out. Um, just Google Wild Goose Festival. You will find it. It's an amazing, eclectic, diverse population of believers on all spectrums. And you will really find exactly what you're looking for because everything is <laughs> everything is there. So you'll find something that will be um, akin to you. So uh, if you need any support on your coming out faith journey story, you can go also to the show page, scroll all the way down to the bottom and find out how to connect with me and we can get into some coaching. So Love you guys. Take care and see you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4 a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.